1: With me today, I'm really excited to talk about artificial intelligence. Lee Teedrick is a partner with Covington and Burling, and she's leading the firm's artificial intelligence initiative. And it's fascinating on what we're going to be talking about and some of the legal trends that we're considering. So welcome to the pond, Lee.
0: Thank you very much. Delighted to be here.
1: Now, as you listeners know, I always try to start with a quote from Thoreau and I was scanning through all the available ones, and I thought this one was probably most appropriate for artificial intelligence. And he wrote 150 years ago, it's not what you look at that matters, it's really what you see. And when I think about artificial intelligence and the interpretation of the results, it's really what you see and how you interpret it that makes the difference. What do you think about that, Lee?
0: (laughs) I think it's a great place to start.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've got a ton of questions for you, but first, can you give us a background about you and how you got to be at Covington, and then a little description about your practice?
0: Sure, and thank you very much for having me here today. As you mentioned, I'm a partner at Covington, and I co-chair our firm's global and multidisciplinary artificial intelligence practice. And I also practice in the IP technology transaction area. And I've been at Covington, not to date myself too much, over 25 years. And I've always practiced at the intersection of law and technology, drawing on my background in electrical engineering from Duke University. And really the AI initiative is kind of the next step in the continuum in terms of practicing at the intersection of law and technology. And, you know, when you take a step back and think about AI and what we're doing with artificial intelligence, we truly are at one of those inflection points where the technology is evolving faster than the law in a myriad of areas. And at a very high level with respect to AI, you know, what we're doing at Covington and in our initiative is we're helping clients navigate the evolving legal landscape so they can capitalize on the opportunities presented by AI and navigate the risks. And when you break this down in terms of the types of projects we're handling, there really is a diverse range. For example, we work with a lot of clients to provide product counseling, you know, to help them address the trustworthiness of their AI products and services, as well as a wide range of intellectual property, commercial, privacy, security, data management, and other matters that arise. You know, we provide similar advice to clients who are seeking to use AI to improve the efficiency of their internal operations. Also, drawing on my technology transaction background, we've seen a real uptick in AI transactions involving AI, you know, including commercial agreements, joint ventures, M&A deals, and investments. And finally, as you alluded to, the legal landscape with respect to AI is evolving very rapidly. And we're doing a lot of work advising clients on understanding the policy landscape and policy front and helping them adapt their business operations to how we see the laws moving.
1: So um, there's a lot lot going on. A lot going on. Well, you know, and first and foremost for the listeners, help me understand, when I think of AI, I think of that, that's like the same definition of saying like the internet. It means so many things to so many people. How would you describe AI and what does it cover?
0: Yeah, and for the benefit of you and the listeners, I've had the good fortune of spending a lot of time with AI experts, and I've also observed that there's no universal AI definition. In terms of defining AI, I like to start at a very high level, and I think of AI as using computing to automate cognitive tasks or to imitate or emulate human behavior, When you take a step back, there are just a vast number of AI use cases and a vast number of different technical implementations. And I won't delve into the details of neural networks, but Vince, if you think it's helpful, I can sort of explain what some of the building blocks of AI are and what some of the foundational technologies are that support this, if if that would
1: be helpful. I think so, because I think my listeners, along with myself, we struggle with what do you mean by AI? And those building blocks, I think it's more of a narrative definition But I think talking about those building blocks briefly, I think, is worthwhile.
0: Yeah. So, I tend to think of AI as having three essential components. First, you have algorithms and computer code that implements the algorithms, and those are kind of what computer scientists do, you know, writing the computer programs. A second really key component of AI is the data. You know, most AI applications require vast amounts of data in order to train the algorithms for example if you have an ai application that is designed to recognize fraudulent transactions that algorithm typically requires a significant amount of data to be trained or taught to recognize fraudulent patterns you know also with respect to ai in addition to having the training data that you use to train the algorithms you know the algorithms themselves are producing data producing output so you know bottom line when we think of ai data is the key ingredient and then finally, the third key ingredient is the hardware, both in terms of the processing capabilities to process the algorithms, and then the storage capacity. And you know, as you know Vince, and I'm sure many of the viewers know, AI is not actually new. We were reminded by the movie The Imitation Games. you know Alan Turing and others were working on AI decades ago. But what really has captured the attention of industry and other stakeholders with respect to AI is the advances that have been made possible by the vast amounts of data that we now have in the digital age. And also, frankly, some of the developments on the hardware side, the increase in processing capability, lowering the cost of the storage capacity. And with that, we've seen you know, tremendous advances on the algorithm side. And, you know, in terms of what we see in our practice, the way I describe our AI initiative, it's it's this horizontal line that cuts across all different practice groups within our firm and industry initiatives, because we're seeing AI adopted across industry and we're seeing a lot of different sophistication of AI implementations. You know, at one extreme you've got, you know, chat boxes that could be used to make consumer recommendations on, you know, what type of product they may wanna buy. And we're also seeing a lot more sophisticated applications across industries, you know, with respect to robotics, digital health, autonomous vehicles, and logistics. And, you know, what we're seeing in terms of the counseling that we're providing to clients, as well as in the transaction context, is that there is tremendous enthusiasm in the market for AI, and we see the adoption and development of AI just continuing to grow.
1: Wow. Now, would you say, is machine learning a subset of AI or is it another term for it?
0: I think I would view it as a subset of okay. AI yeah. when you get the computer scientists involved. And I do have an engineering background, but I refer to the computer scientists on this. I mean, there are different variations and ways to implement AI and machine learning is one, one but there, okay. you know, there are others as well
1: now that makes sense well what was interesting and really caught my attention in reading some of covington's material on artificial intelligence was how much legislation and compliance considerations are going on in a number of countries not just the united states even the uh, oecd adopted some things on ai policy and guidance it's really becoming a legal area so from you know a lot of our audience and listeners are legal and compliance professionals what do they need to be aware of most? Are there some legislation that they need to be aware of more so than others?
0: Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, Vince, you know, AI truly has captured the attention of policymakers and other stakeholders around the globe. And I completely agree that compliance and legal professionals who work with organizations that are using or deploying AI or who plan to do so should really be aware of some of the key issues and policy developments, particularly in the jurisdictions that are relevant to them. For example, professionals who are overseeing AI operations in Europe should be aware that Europe is expected to introduce AI legislation in early 2020. In fact, the new president of the European Commission has said that she would do this in her first 100 days in office. You know, while nobody knows exactly what the legislation is gonna say, it's expected to focus on how to make AI trustworthy, or in other words, how to address the competency, security, and reliability of the AI And also how to reduce the risk of unintended harmful bias and how to make the AI explainable and how to provide some degree of accountability. Also, policy professionals, compliance officers, legal personnel should be aware that Europe has a high level expert group, AI expert group that is addressing some of these issues. And the issue of access to data is also garnering some attention, particularly in Europe. Efforts on how to standardize data so it's in a common format so it can be easily shared. And, you know, the other takeaway for legal and compliance professionals is that the policy debate is not limited to Europe. We've seen developments in other jurisdictions. For example, earlier this year, President Trump issued an executive order calling for a comprehensive U.S. approach to artificial intelligence. And even in the U.S., we've seen some legislation introduced. Other countries, including Singapore, Canada, have addressed these issues. And then it's also important to keep in mind that there's some non-governmental organizations that are jumping into the issues. You know, for example, the IEEE has published a paper on ethically aligned design of AI so, you know, the takeaway for compliance and legal professionals is that the policy landscape is evolving rapidly. And if AI is relevant to their business, it's important to become informed of where the policy is going and think about how that impacts their business and what type of changes they might want to make to their operations.
1: And when I was reading some of those guidance documents, it basically summarized, and again, from a layman's perspective, don't build another Terminator. Or put some ethics in there so that ultimately the humans are still controlling what's going on in the end and not letting it be a constant loop or feedback where the machines take over. Would you kind of agree with that statement or how would you summarize? What's the general- Yeah,
0: I mean, again, I think one of the phrases that's garnering a lot of attention is to how to make it, it trustworthy. And I think right. what, the way I always think about it is there's just tremendous amount of potential with respect to AI, both from a business standpoint, as well as you think about the need to make healthcare make education, make a lot of basic services available, and AI can certainly do that. And, you know, the challenge is really, you know, how do you do that in a trustworthy manner to unleash the tremendous potentials, but guard against some of the Terminator harms? And some of the issues that are being focused on is, you know, how do you provide for competency, How do you prevent unintended consequences of the AI? And some of that gets into issues of data security. You know, how do you prevent harmful tampering of the algorithms? But, you know, I think at the 10,000 foot level, people are really focused on, you know, how do you make the benefits available and, you know, guard against some of the harms that you've described?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, can you give the audience some success stories of how companies benefited from properly considering AI governance, you know, not just the technology, computer science, but like how have you helped companies improve their AI program from a governance perspective?
0: Yeah, I'd be delighted to. And you know, we are working with a lot of companies on establishing governance frameworks. And you know, again, as we approach this, is you've got to look at a particular company look at their use cases with respect to the AI, look at their organization and come up with approaches that make sense given the context in which they're using AI. But in terms of success, by creating some of these governance frameworks, we've helped bring together a broader group of stakeholders into the decision making process. You know, not only diversity in terms of making sure that different groups are represented, but also making sure that you've got the business, the technical, the legal, the privacy and security experts all at the table, you know, working collaboratively to address these issues. You know, we've also found that being very intentional through the governance framework can lead to improved decision-making processes with respect to various aspects of the product development and product deployment and also being more deliberate with respect to documentation. You know, also getting back to your previous question, through governance, we've seen uh, real improvements in terms of establishing processes, procedures, and controls, again, to reduce the risk of some of the unintended harms or biases that, that you described in your previous question. And, you know, we really see governance as an effective tool to helping manage the development deployment of AI and also, frankly, help with managing the data. Because as I said before, you know, data is key to having a good AI operation and, you know, through data management, which can be addressed in the governance structure, you know, can provide tools to help manage the lineage, province of the data and make sure that that's being used properly as well.
1: See, to me, as you describe it, it sounds like just... You know, it comes down to the integrity of the model. And I think there's a governance space from legal and compliance professionals to say, hey, is it really going to do what it's designed to do? Not just a technical perspective, but from a business and legal perspective.
0: Right. And that's why, again, sort of bringing together the various different stakeholders within the organization to work together and having legal work with the technical teams as well as the business teams to collaboratively consider all these issues, we've seen a lot of success by adopting that type of approach. Hmm.
1: Well, we've got time for one final question, Lee, and that's kind of where when you think about what should the heads of litigation or general counsels of companies think about when they hear about their companies doing AI initiatives or large-scale AI initiatives internally, or even target acquisitions of companies or acquisitions of technologies, what questions should they be asking their business colleagues and particularly their technical team?
0: Yeah, well, first that the heads of litigation, heads of compliance should be aware that, you know, while there are tremendous benefits with respect to AI, there certainly still are legal risks as well as reputational risks. And the greater the impact of the AI, you know, particularly on the well-being of an individual, you know, oftentimes the risks can increase. Second, that they should be aware that even though the law is still evolving, steps that they can take, you know, through governance frameworks, through data management to help mitigate some of these risks. Third thing to keep in mind is that, you know, it's not necessarily a one-size fits-all approach. A lot of what we do is work with companies on a very contextual basis, looking at their organization, looking at again, AI has a lot of different use cases, a lot of different technologies are there, but sort of coming up with approaches that make sense given what their goals are. Third thing to keep in mind is that as they engage in transactions, and I see this a lot through my technology transaction practice, that these issues that we've been discussing with respect to AI should be addressed in the transaction context as well. And there are ways, and we've worked with clients on holistically addressing these issues in AI transactions, you know, starting At the very beginning, when the business team is just thinking about doing a deal, all the way through the negotiation of the LOI, the diligence, the transaction documents, and then oftentimes post-closing. And then my final piece of advice in the time that we have remaining is, given that the landscape is evolving so quickly, and given that we are seeing tremendous and growing interest with respect to AI... If they don't already have members of their team who are educated on AI, we would encourage them to dedicate some resources to understanding the AI legal landscape. And we work with a lot of clients on this as well, letting them know where the policy landscape is going, getting involved in policy issues as appropriate for their business. We also publish a blog, Inside Tech Media, for anyone who's interested to just get a, a little more detail and flavor in terms of what some of, some of the issues are. But, you know, my final takeaway here, you know, again, coming back to having practiced for over 25 years, while it's new, what I would say to other fellow legal professionals is a lot of exciting issues here and a lot of just tremendous opportunities to work with business clients, to really help them achieve their goals, notwithstanding the legal landscape that's continuing to
1: evolve. Well, it's clear that uh, legal and compliance definitely has a seat at the table in the AI discussions. Can you repeat the blog that you have for people to go to?
0: Yes, it's insidetechmedia.com. Okay, Um,
1: Inside Tech Media. I also like, you published a Law 360 article for those that can get that, but I'd encourage people... You wrote, We could do a separate podcast on this, so we can't go into it on this one, but the 10 best practices for due diligence in AI transactions, again, in Law 360, I thought that was a really good article that summarizes some of these issues and those 10 considerations. I think you and uh, Danielle Gurman wrote that article, but I thought that was a really good summary as well.
0: Yeah, well, thank you very much. We've worked on a lot of deals, and again, this is really one of my main wheelhouses and even that article just, it flags the issues, but it really just scratches the surface in the transaction context. And I think we said this in the article up front, it's really important to just understand the overall context of the deal and then sort of think about where are the emerging legal issues and really tailoring a diligence and a transaction approach that is suitable for the transaction at hand that takes into account the business considerations and the risks. But it's all new and all fun.
1: Well Lee, I really appreciate you jumping into the pond with me and thank you so much. Fascinating conversation. And yes, I uh, look forward to maybe I'll hopefully have you on back on the pond uh, in the future. So thank you. Yeah,
0: thank you very much Vince for the opportunity. I enjoyed it very much and would love to jump back in at some
1: future <laughs> date. All right. Take care everybody. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Walden Pond podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review.